Well, hello and welcome again to the Weirdly Magical podcast with Jen and Lou. And today we're going to talk about the Gemini New Moon, which is on May the 22nd. And I'll go into more details on that in a moment. First, some housekeeping. We have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash weirdly magical. For $3 a month, you can support our work and the costs associated with putting on a podcast. And when we reach a certain other number of subscribers, and we're more than halfway there, we will be doing Patreon-only content. And in next in our next podcast, we will actually have um, some a special announcement. We're going to do another. It's our second year anniversary of running this podcast, so we're going to be offering a giveaway, and uh, there'll be something to do with Patreon involved there as well. Um, also, if you have any questions, it's weirdlymagicalpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you send your um, questions to that email address, you may be featured on a podcast episode. Uh, we don't have any questions this time, I don't think. I did look yesterday and not today, but no, we don't. So let's introduce ourselves quickly. Um, I'll go first for a change. I'm Louise Eddington uh, of louiseeddington.com. I'm uh, soul astrologer and writer of two books modern astrology and the complete guide to astrology and um what else that's it i think oh and i have a venus class starting tomorrow we're recording this on the 12th of may if anybody's interested in the class just go and find my facebook page or whatever and look for the class so that's it for now (laughs) i'm jen dishen of jendishen.com I'm an Akashic healer, reader, numerologist, and creator of the Illuminating Journey Cards. We're created with the help of the Akashic Records. Uh, I uh, work with the deep uh, energies within to help you break through the old stories and to activate your free will. And uh, I actually, I'm actually teaching a class in Akashic Records, if you want to learn how to read your own records and learn a special healing method, you can go to my website, gendershen.com, and you can find the classes there. Cool. And we're actually going to be setting up a Facebook page. I will probably um, create that tomorrow. It's going to be called Weirdly Magical, surprisingly enough. And, and so we'll probably we'll post our classes on there as soon as I set the page up. Um, it won't take me long to do that. And so you can also go and like the new page and find the classes on there too. So, <laughs> so let's do our cards first of all, Jen. Okay, you, go, you show us your card. All right, so the card that came up is the number one soul portal. For those of you who can't see it, there's a woman riding on a, with a green cloak on a black horse into down a path into, and there's a cloud in front which has a sword going through it and a shield in the sky. Um, so a vast landscape with some kind of building and door and a full moon in the background. And the cup, isn't there? The chalice? Yes, and the chalice, that's right. I'm looking from sides, missing some of it. Or the Holy Grail. It always reminds me of seeking the Holy Grail. This, um, right. Being on that journey, like focusing on what you need to 
focus on that innovation, new beginnings that feels very, uh, for me, I think that idea of the Holy Grail, which is meant to symbolize the energy of the female or bringing this intuitive energy of the female into creation in the physical world is this idea of going on your journey, on your um, quest mm -hmm. to really discover or to uh, be empowered by your own truth, your own, uh, what you're here to create or express. And it's very appropriate. And I love the colours because it's pink and uh, the figure is wearing a green cloak and they are very much colours of Venus, pink and and green, depending whether it's Libra or Taurus, which Venus rules both. And Venus is turning retrograde in a few hours as we record this <laughs> at 21 degrees of Gemini. And we're just about to speak about the Gemini new moon and we'll be speaking about Venus in this as well. So cool. Right. And the card I pulled was the lovers, which is actually the Gemini card. You cannot make this. <laughs> and Jen saw me shuffle and shuffle and shuffle. And there it came. And and this is uh, the principle of art and craft or the relationship. The journey of the twins um, is what the book says. And the twins is a, a universal motif throughout many cultures. It's um there was the Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy and Hansel and Gretel and the Prince and the Pauper and lots of favourite uh, famous couples. But if you see everything is paired in here, there's the Orphic egg and the serpent at the bottom and, and the lion and the, the griffin and the lion. And, and then we've got the um, Cupid at the top firing the arrow. So this... Um, I want to read you the quote actually with this card that comes in the wonderful um, Anjali Zarian book with, that goes with these cards. And it's by Anais Nin. She says, the value of the personal relationship to all things is that it creates intimacy and intimacy creates understanding and understanding creates love. And this card as well is really a reminder to... Um, to be a true partnership, to kind of, you know, come together, but not limit each other to, to stand by side by side as well and bring in all colors and ages and to be childlike and curious with the two children at the bottom here. And Gemini is a very curious sign. So we'll be talking about a lot of that as well. So you can't. Right. Yeah, and both cards have this like pink energy. I think it's really interesting the coloring and kind of the focus on this idea of uh, expanding into that uh, energy of love of the heart of the and open mind as well to to seek truth kind of thing and to seek you know right when you enter your heart or you speak from your heart then you don't have the barriers or the prickliness that you might have when you speak from your mind or from oh this is the right way or the wrong way mine has the chalice on it too the cup the children are holding the cup mm, how cool right that's the holy grail on there too so <laughs> very similar cards and we do not plan this ever it's always <laughs> okay so, so the um the actual full uh sorry new moon not full moon gemini new moon on may the 22nd 2020 so lots of twos there in a five month well it's not yet but anyway jen will talk about the numbers um the new moon is at 
in the sign of the twins so that's two as well and uh, the new moon is at two degrees and four minutes of Gemini uh, there is also Venus and Mercury Mercury ruling the new moon uh, Mercury rules Gemini they're at 20 degrees of Gemini and they're in square aspect to Neptune and Pisces which is at 20 degrees uh, the new moon is also in aspect to Saturn and Pallas Athena in Aquarius. And as we record this on May the 12th, Saturn has just gone retrograde. Venus is about to go retrograde. Um, Jupiter is about to go retrograde. And, and then Pallas Athena is going retrograde in five days time after we record this. So by the time of this new moon, we'll have one, two, three, four five planets in retrograde if you count Pallas Athena which I do <laughs> and lastly the other thing we'll be talking about and probably some other things is that Pluto and Eris are within minutes of their second of five exact squares that are happening over 2020 and 2021 and I think that's relevant because of um, the um, Chandra symbol that I'll be reading at the end. So there's a lot about um, female kind of empowerment and um, and the apple and um, all kind of things like that and relationships. So we'll talk to all of that. But Jen, do you want to dive in and give your first thoughts? Yes, I would love to. First of all, that we're having this on the 22nd, uh, the date, the 22nd, the number, the 22 is very powerful. It is a number that has uh, been with us in the past few years as we have gained momentum moving into this time. It also represents our year. So you look at the 22, that's the 2020. Um, so what I feel about this moon is it's very much a moon that is... Uh, setting us on the path to new things, new discoveries, new way of being, this 2020 vision, this idea of being, um, having the vision to see the design that we are creating and then put it in place because two and two is four. This is a 13 universal date. So we have two fours in the dates. Uh, very powerful. The 13, of course, uh, there's the Venus going retrograde at 13 degrees. 13 is the divine feminine number. She goes, her star point will be at 13. She doesn't go retrograde at 13. Sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on the 13th, that's well. Sorry. Thanks yeah. for correcting me. Uh, on the 13th. Um, but there is the energy of 13 around there. And, um, just understanding the power of the 13, the power of the 22, the 22 is a master number, 13 is this number of uh, rebirth, renaissance, whatever you want to call it, this idea of taking everything, shaking it up and rising from the ashes in a new way, that phoenix number. Uh, so we are definitely experience a death at this time, and many of us uh, may actually be feeling this on many levels. Uh, also to talk about the um, the moon and the sun at two degrees, there's the other two, and then four minutes. So we have the two and the four, which is, uh, again, speaking to that energy of the year, because we have the twos that make a four. So it's very much about this idea of bringing in 
the harmony of the two sides, the two aspects, finding the balance, the neutrality, the incredible power of relationship, being in relationship and starting to build something, new foundation, new systems, new awareness that is taking us out of um, where we've been. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And all that Gemini, you know, it's, it's very much, we were talking about it beforehand, very much kind of about shorter journeys, more local communities. So when we talk about relationships and this new moon and with the Venus retrograde and with Mercury conjunct Venus, we're not just talking about, you know, your primary relationship in your life. If you have one, we're talking about um, how we relate to everybody, really each other, our local community, everything's being drawn back in with this heavy focus on Gemini this this year due to the nodes having the North Node now being in Gemini and the Venus retrograde in Gemini. And that square to Neptune is dissolving a lot of our um a lot of our um fixed beliefs. So this is all very mutable energy. Gemini is a mutable sign. Uh, Pisces is a mutable sign. So our fixed ideas, fixed beliefs, um, things we thought to be true, they're all shifting and changing. And that's where the curiosity comes in. It's very important during this time to remain open and curious. I've been talking about it on my daily posts for a while about beginner's mind, um, which is kind of a Zen Buddhist um, concept it's it's about opening your ears and shutting your mouth for a change and knowing that you just really may not know or you may know more than you know but um you can always learn more so it's, it's not thinking you're dogmatically right it's about letting go of dogma um and really kind of recreating everything but it's always shifty this so i have to just tell the listeners a few of my little uh, jokes for those that are not even the uh, <laughs> those that are not on youtube i actually have doctor who's tardis um behind me today on <laughs> on uh, my screen because this this new moon when i look at the chart if you're not a whovian i'm sorry but um in the 10th doctor had a thing where he said it's a big ball of wibbly wobbly timey wimey and that's how this new moon <laughs> feels to me it's like everything's shifty and changing gemini is very changeable um, and very sociable and uh, with Pisces that's the kind of the big ball of wibbly wobbly that's the Neptune in Pisces is bringing in that shift and then I've got my t-shirt it says anxious and test and tense the way I like it which is a joke from a show that I helped once <laughs> on social media but Gemini can be a bit anxious too a little bit tense because it's trying to rationalize everything it's trying to make sense of everything and and to order it and to file it in in you know certain categories well i think we're being asked to not do that right now <laughs> to try to make too much sense it's being of this beginner mind um truly so. right and i was just reflecting while you were talking um that when we're looking at the moon, we add the two and the four, which makes a six. And then we look at the, the triangle here. Well, it's not a triangle, but we have the um, Venus and um, Mercury at 20 with uh, Neptune, connecting to Neptune in that way. 
at the 20 degrees, that's also a six, two, four, six. And six is really that number that brings together two sides um, and kind of it's the birthing number of what happens when you give birth or you focus on something new that the best way to do it is to do it with heart, mm -hmm. to come from that place, place of love. And even the cards that we picked, the pink, pink is actually represents the high heart, the thalamus, mm -hmm. which is part of us that we may um, skip over, but it's this deep connection to our, um, to our soul, to, to what is true for us, to our uh, ability to come from a place of love. And when you think about the idea that Mercury is this of the mind, so we're having all this information, tons of information just spilling into our minds. Lots of people are talking about theories. Lots of people are coming up with ideas of why things are and what is true. We're also looking at things that perhaps we've been policed into believing, uh, whether it's, you know, just an environment, I want to fit in, I want to be successful, how do I calculate how to be successful, oh, this is what I need to do, I need to think a certain way, I need to behave in a certain way, I need to respond a certain way, so it's kind of like how we've built our relationships, and we talked about the two, two is about the idea of being in relationship to each other, uh, to our lives, uh, 20 is about awakening that, awakening the energy of being in relationship in a higher form. So all of this is about going up on a higher form, a higher way of thinking, going beyond that um, obedience of like, oh, this is what people said it is. It must be true. Let me shut everyone else up or down or make them agree with me. Then we'll all be safe. And so this uh, illusion of safety is falling away and now we begin to see and we can't help seeing and hearing uh how do you say cacophony cacophony is that the word? cacophony yeah cacophony cacophony weird uh word <laughs> it's a word sound less like a, a crow kind of calling out the sounds like all of the sounds of everything just like we're going to hear and we may have already begun to hear all of these sounds and the sounds all coming in they're all falling over one another mm -hmm. uh, so it may be hard to distinguish what is true and what isn't and oh, I, I incredibly hard right now isn't it yeah. a lot of information the fault of your brain is saying probably not working properly because not used to filtering all this different information. We're used to kind of, Oh, it comes through this tiny little spout. And now it's just coming everywhere. So in order to understand its relationship, Venus, which is about what we value, what's important to me, where should I put my attention, what matters. And this idea of trying to think it through. And then when it's connecting to Neptune, this idea of getting, swallowed into the depth of our spirituality going deeper and deeper and going no that's not what matters it's all very cloudy and moving through the the layers of water to truly determine what is true um, for me i think and that's what i hear in the records the best way to be in tune which is this two again the intu in tune intuiting kind of that feminine energy of what is true, what is true for me, what do I care about through my heart, through my breath, um, is being able to be 
uh, imbalance or neutrality. Like again, that's a point of two, between two worlds. So you're not judging what it is. You're choosing to just pay attention to what resonates or go, that makes no sense to me, or I'm going to have to recalculate what this is. Uh, so it feels very potent, very powerful, this mystical opportunity to be, to really get to the truth of who we are, right? And the truth of what we believe. And, and Lou and I were talking about this idea of kind of detangling from mass consciousness, this idea of going, oh, you know, last week or six months ago or whatever, I was really focused on trying to get people to agree with my point of view. And now I realize I don't want to talk to these people anymore because I don't care about what they believe in. I'm focusing on what is real for me so I can put my attention there. I will be say we beware of that square to Neptune with that. I mean, all that Jen said is true, but there is also a tendency to be so far out of any um, openness to knowledge and science that people go, well, I know it's true for me. And they're not, right. they're not filtering any actual facts in there. So, so be, be wary of that as well, because there is a tendency in, in some in kind of, particularly in the woo community to, to just abandon facts completely almost. It's like, <laughs> Right. Well, that's part of it. You're absolutely right. That part of it is twisting the truth. We, and we can see it all around us. And we may see it in ourselves. Taking things like this is what's happening and then finding a way to uh, rationalize it so it becomes true. So there's definitely that aspect, but that's the lower energy of Neptune. And But Neptune can bring that in. So I just, you know, I just want to caution if somebody finds them. Kind of- <laughs> you know uh, everybody knows who listens to this that I always kind of pay attention to what's come my way before we record these episodes and and um this morning um somebody posted a a documentary called the war on sense making by Daniel Schmachtenberger now if anybody wants to watch a really I I think it's pretty important actually about um and it's very aligned with all this Gemini energy about making sense of things um, and about, you know, getting your information, not just news, from a variety of sources so that you're not just getting this polarized point of view. Now, I'm not suggesting, you know, that one day time you watch MSNBC and the next time you watch Fox, it's maybe a wider thing. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about news, I'm talking about you know, get much information as you can and then filter it and try not. I think while we're under this current energy, this is in a um, taking the information in and filtering it more, but not coming out with definite dogmatic answer again. The South Node in Sagittarius is definitely um, asking us to let go of the need to be right and dogmatic views where this is the only way so and he speaks to that in that documentary too um, it's quite long i warn you but it is fascinating and i actually think it's a really important listen so if anybody wants to go and find a good thing on youtube there are occasionally good things on youtube along with the crap <laughs> i think the point
point here is to be able to discern. I'm a great believer in paying attention to facts. You're not dismissing it, as we said. You're not going like none of this is in, none of this is relevant. It is relevant because this is the world we live in. So we do want to be um, aware of uh, what is out there, and of course, you have to decide for yourself how. Um, susceptible you are to the energies mm -hmm. there's certain things out there that are way out there or a little bit weird i don't watch just because yeah. i know full of um you know they're full of this kind of what a spider energy that traps in your mind and holds you um you kind of stuff yeah. a lot of like stuff underneath yeah. uh, i prefer not to watch it because i know how um convincing it can be but certainly uh, every other thing that's available to read or listen to, uh, just learning how to discern. Well, the only way we can learn how to be better thinkers, be better innovators, uh, is through our process of discernment. When we know we don't have a reaction, when we're reacting to somebody, I, something that we feel like, oh, I'm getting pulled in, or it's like, oh, that's... You know, I, you know, that's wrong. I've got to go around telling everyone it's wrong. Then we know that we're not in a neutral place. Mm. And therefore, there's something we need to be questioning, right? Is there and something? The, and despite the fact I recommended a YouTube video, that it, it is a very good one. It's just this guy. And, and read his stuff if you prefer to read. He actually recommends reading more. <laughs> so, and and because this Neptune is very silver screeny and um, the silver screen, if it's, presented wrongly can be very propagandish and and use techniques to kind of really manipulate and pull you in which is what jen was um speaking to and that's very neptune in pisces and yeah, yeah. <laughs> the energy also of hidden enemies of the things that uh, can um create our downfall right where yeah. we get so hooked in I think one thing that I've noticed, and this is really important, is to be careful that you don't get hooked into fighting somebody else's war. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people are doing this is bypassing your own spiritual experience. But I feel like the beauty of Neptune and this time and this combination between Venus, Mercury and, and uh, Neptune mm -hmm. is about us allowing ourselves to go to the depth of the uncomfortableness of learning to be mystics yeah. and that means that whatever it is that we're doing our meditation our breathing our yoga whatever it is that you do your art that allows you to discern you're not bypassing stuff i think what's happening is people are looking for a savior which is kind of the, the shadow or whatever of neptune etc and all of the stuff that's breaking down the whole um Pluto and Eris thing, where they're looking for a savior. Oh, well, clearly people are not leading. So let me follow somebody who has some crazy theory. And I'm going to now be in their army and I'm going to go and shove it on everyone's face. I'm going to insist that this is true and get myself panic and fear. Uh, and really all you're doing is you're recreating the same bullshit. So, um, yeah. Watch out for that because but there is the energy of the guru, as you said, seeking the guru. Yeah, and uh, and then the guru in more of the um, kind of uh, cult sense. I'm speaking, not the true meaning of the word guru, which is merely a teacher. <laughs> 
is this yeah. kind of thing, like even any teacher, you should never just follow somebody slavish. No. The point is you must look at all the facts and go, well, when they say this, I resonate and that's true. Or I'm not sure, let me go think about it. Let me ask more questions. Like be engaged in your own life and your own thought patterns. Uh, it's like when I hear something and I'm like, I don't think that's true. Then instead of me arguing with the person, I'll go and research. Is this a potential that this could be true instead of getting into an argument? And then I'm yeah. like, oh, I can see this part of it could be true. So now I have a better understanding. And it also allows me to go, well, I don't need to argue about it because, you know, I'm not going to convince somebody else. So why bother doing that? Let me just be okay with somebody having a different opinion. And if I need more information, I can go and seek that information. Um, so I did want to talk a little bit about, um, Jen, Jen talked about um, the high heart and um, Venus has two rulerships, uh, as I said, uh, Libra and Taurus, the earthly uh, rulership, Taurus and Libra is kind of the higher heart. But Venus is also the esoteric ruler of Gemini. In There's a school, there's, um, a school of astrology called Esoteric Astrology, which was formed by Alice Bailey um and who was a channeler and i find it really interesting that it kind of amplifies this higher love and finding this higher love in relationship to um everybody in your life with mercury there as well that the two rulers are together at 20 degrees in the sign and that you know brings me back to that card i i did again the um the lovers the coming together the communicating and the, it's interesting in this card it has the um, hermit symbol and it's the only other um card in the tarot deck other than the hermit card itself where the hermit appears and that is saying that as well we need to have this relationship with ourselves we need to separate as well as come together and learn to love ourselves and learn to um, look within and that's part of the venus retrograde journey it's part of um, the gemini journey as well and again it's part of learning to listen to that inner voice as well as all that information that's coming from everywhere else in the world so i just i just thought i'd mention that um you know there's kind of a dual rulership going on there in gemini that's um very interesting um to me at least <laughs> in a big way yeah fascinating to think about everything has a duality everything has more than we know about uh, so this idea of seeking information not for the sake of seeking information but to truly be in tune with what is true uh, when we think about gemini and um, um, sorry Mercury and Venus, their, their relationship, first of all, they're very personal planets. Second of all, so it's very much related to who we are. Mm -hmm. um, well, they're the, they're the closest planet to the sun and the second closest, and then we're the third. So they are uh, the only, yeah. they're the only yeah. two planets between us and the sun, the rest of the other side. So. <laughs> so, so that's kind of like, it's like we can say that they represent uh, in some ways the male and female and yet even that is in question right because Gemini yeah. uh, has that energy uh, the duality 
but so does Venus. Venus has a lot of duality or the female figure or the female ideology of how we've seen the female mm. and who she really is. definitely swings both ways. <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly <laughs> kind of this idea of being able to understand that that this um the fluidity of this mm-hmm. time of our beliefs is and who we are yeah. uh, having that relationship of uh, not only receiving information but how we kind of put it into words how mm-hmm. we um speak of it because gemini is all about communication mercury is about communication it's not just uh you know on the one hand we're receiving venus receiving the information from the divine on the other hand we're we're kind of passing through that information we're dispelling it we're trying to figure out what does it mean what do i need to do what's mine to do uh how do i innovate how do i bring my communication my words into the world how do i write how do i play how do I express who I am uh, and then have this opportunity to go even deeper, which, of course, we were just talking about Mars, which is uh, another key planet, and that's in Pisces. In Pisces. Yeah, in Pisces, next uh, conjunct Ceres, who is... Uh, interestingly enough Ceres is heading towards her retrograde which will follow the exact same path that Mercury retrograded at from February the 17th to March the 10th exact degrees so I'm incidentally I'm I'm doing a free presentation for EA Zoom meetings on the 21st so the day before this new moon about Ceres so if anybody wants to find that group on Facebook and watch the free presentation or maybe I'll post it to our new Facebook page as well. But, um... <laughs> but, Sorry. Yeah. Um, I sort of, I actually really wanted to talk a little bit about this um, Pluto Eris square. That's almost exact. Um, I've mentioned the squares many, many times. Uh, I've looked in my astrology software, I've looked and looked and looked for the last time that, um, Pluto squared Eris from Capricorn to Aries, which they are doing now. And I couldn't find it <laughs> because um, Eris, it may be because some of the um, ephemeris on some of the software doesn't go back far enough for Eris because it's been so recently discovered in 2005. But it's pretty rare. The cycle between Pluto and Eris started on um, December the 15th, 1756, when they were conjunct at 18 degrees Sagittarius, which is opposite the point where Mercury and Venus are on this uh, lunation. The first square um, between Pluto and Eris happened between 1907 and 1911 from Gemini um, to Pisces. So it's all that very mutable stuff was happening before. Then we had the Pluto Eris opposition um, in 1976 to 1978, and that was Libra to Aries. And now we have the squares. We had an exact square on June the 20th, January the 26th. The two are going to square again on June the 14th, then December the 10th of 2020, then a bit of a break and square exactly again on August the 27th and October the 8th, 2021. But all these squares are at 23 and 24 degrees. So basically, Pluto and Eris are in square 
for this whole two years. Um, they're not going to be ever far enough away to not be squaring each other. Now, on this lunation, not only are they approaching this second exact square, Pluto is um, almost exactly opposite Vesta in Gemini and Hygieia in Gemini, two other asteroids. And, um, and they're both in aspect to Eris in Aries. And this is very much about that um, pulling down that picket fence and revealing um, everything that's been hidden underneath so we can filter yet more information. I think there's going to, going to be more revealed about corruption and um, artifice and, you know, kind of the, uh, the, bonfire of the vanities if you like the um vanities of the wealthy ruling classes and things like that in these revolutionary times and and that's a lot more information for us to filter through pluto and capricorn doing his um transformation of the um institutions ruling institutions he's been doing that since he entered capricorn in 2008 and he's continuing to do that, but he's kind of coming to a peak as all these other planets have, have aspected. And a lot of it's this year. It was the Saturn Pluto conjunction on January the 12th. This is all, this is what's happening in our world. You know, uh, this is why things are collapsing. The fine, and it looks like we're going into a depression and all these kind of energies. It's because all of this is being shaken up um what's not working is being revealed and in gemini all this other focus and gemini is bringing it in to the local space again and bringing it into our community our immediate community and our immediate relationships and i i love that um pluto and eris are joining in this party on this lunation as well <laughs> and Vesta's very much about the the sacred flame and the hearth of the home and uh, and so it's again bringing it into that local uh, space again so yeah yeah it's very powerful because the artifice that has been put in place in the patriarchal even beyond uh, times which has been to suppress the masses in mm. order to uh, to create a certain narrative and you think about how that impacts uh, you know how you know influence of gemini in that aspect of what we believe to be true or what we've constructed so that we could live with it and accept it i mean we're so convinced aren't we you know as a society that that there are always going to be those wealthy people and there are always going to be but why 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 does it <laughs> Because it's being drummed into us, but it's also this, what has also been drummed into us is this idea on some aspect or level of servitude. Like when you're in one position, like when you're in the wealthy, whatever you want to call it, the position of power, that there's only, there's two positions. You're in a position of power or you're in a position of no power, right? You're powerless and you've got to be the little, um, you know, working on the wheel. On the wheel, Yeah. <laughs> the wheel and like that's the way it is like we often say things like that's the way it is there's nothing we can do about it you know all of that stuff uh, but really this whole narrative that has been created around the, the the position of females or what we call weaker sex or the the weaker or the 
the uh, children or all of this kind of stuff, that there's all this narrative and belief and we keep reinforcing it because as soon as somebody gets up, a woman gets up, <laughs> an unexpected male or child gets up, then our first uh, um, response is to belittle them. And right, yeah. we want to embarrass them and shame them so they'll run back to their their low position Uh, we see this everywhere like we can just go from the top you see how people that are powerful use uh, words and they use information to control situations and control people so we're all like you know when the president says something and he says it in a demeaning way then everyone kind of scuttles back because they're afraid of confrontation Uh, and i really believe that this is the power of harris is the uh, she's not afraid of confrontation and venus in her true uh, in her fullness right as she comes as, there, as all these female energies rise into the fullness of being who they are as they move from stepping back and it's interesting i did a reading today and what came up for this person was which i think is significant is this idea of waiting your turn like you waiting your turn it's kind of like all of us we've been you know especially female or whatever if we think there's something not good about who we are or just we just don't fit in we've kind of been waiting for permission to go forward and take back our power and now it's like okay well this is it right here's the moon here's this moment of going um i'm just going to take in this time of this enormous change and everything's in flux i'm just going to go and while no one's looking kind of pull back into what is mine just, you know, distance myself, break free from this idea that I need to behave a certain way and just kind of walk around and go, okay, whatever. Uh, that to me is the power of Eris. Like when she came, all of the things she's done, like all of the stories, the tales has all been about, I'm going to put something in your midst that is going to force you to rethink who you are, right? That thing is the fairest of us all. Who is the one that can, uh, you know, and just kind of threw everyone into complete conflict because they were so confused by that question. Like they didn't know what to answer. Like, oh, I have to come up with an opinion. I have to prove myself, right? And, and, you know, we see the the narrative, as Jen rightly calls it, parroted, you know, Uh, and, but more and more we're we're recognizing it. Uh, Now I'm, I'm, this morning in my post, I talked about asking the open questions, the who, what, why, where, how. Keep asking them to open up the possibilities. But we're seeing all these narratives being parroted by the by the people that have been kept down by this narrative from the elite. Like people going, well, the, the, the vulnerable can just stay at home because of the virus. And I'm like going, have you thought this through? How, you know, that the vulnerable can just stay at home? It's not quite that simple, you know? <laughs> We're being asked to, you know, I'm not saying I know the answers either here, by the way, but it's just, we can hear these words being parroted down and down through the things. And that's what's being revealed by Eris. And Eris, I find, is very much a a kind of raging outsider. 
she she's there she's going you've kept me out and now i'm not taking this anymore i'm going to upset your narrative i'm going to throw this out the window she is sleeping beauty awakening to be quite honest <laughs> and my uh, chandra symbol kind of speaks to that so it's kind of exciting that people are waking up to this narrative to where they're being manipulated by the news by the words by the uh, words of our leaders and um, and the like yeah. and, and the thing is when you take this idea the intelligence of i've gathered the uh, information and it's been set in stone therefore no one can question it and turn it on its head and say no you didn't you didn't ask all these questions that are now being revealed which is the beauty of this virus the mutability of it is it now gives us a reason to go i don't feel like what you're selling, telling me or selling me is true, right? And I have more questions. So answer the questions. Like this is how we get more discerning is by asking those questions that you were talking about, the open-ended questions. And there is no reason, like if you have nothing to hide, there's no reason for somebody to refuse to answer your question, right? If somebody won't answer your question, if they get angry because you're asking them a question, if they get defensive, if they attack you, then clearly they have something to hide because it's like, well, I'm just, I want to know more. So now we have the, the courage. We've been given the courage and we have the reason to go, well, there's something here that's impacting me. And I think also mothers going on into this space of being, um, uh, defending their young, right? Yeah. Like, I want to make sure my children are safe. I want to know my parents are safe. Like all of that kind of idea. So I will ask the hard questions. I will uh, be more determined in how I'm dealing with this as opposed to, well, there's nothing we can do. And now it's like, no, actually, we've got to ask these hard questions. We've got to do these things that matter. Um, Sometimes you're just asking the universe to open up yeah. the mind as well. You know, like this morning I had a question come to my mind. There's a whole narrative going around that, you know, those people that want to continue to stay at home because the virus are in, they're scared, they're in fear. And then I was like, what if we're not the ones in fear? What if we're the ones being um, considerate? And what if the ones that are afraid of losing their business are the ones that are in fear? And the ones that are afraid of change and that we might have to radically change the way we live are in fear. Not that saying either one is right. I'm not suggesting that. But, you know, what if... You know, what if there's this fear both ways? Or, you know, what if, you know? <laughs> it's okay to be in fear. But when somebody uses that as a weapon, yeah. then that's like a smokescreen, right? Oh, you're afraid, therefore you're wrong. Instead of, therefore I'm right and you're... Right. you're I'm afraid, but I'm asking more questions so I can, you know, know more, so I can be less afraid, or I can know more and I can take action. Yeah. And I think that's the response is the idea that even if I am afraid, I'm still entitled to ask questions yeah. to me. Like, I just think it's hilarious that people are dying. I think use the word, I shouldn't use the word yeah. dying. People are so determined to go back to being enslaved. that they're like, Let me get back to being enslaved. I don't want you to free us. It's like, okay. To earn money for the, for the billionaires, the elites again, the ones that Eris is like saying, yeah, enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
there's, a, there's also an aspect from this new moon to Saturn and Pallas Athena in Aquarius that I mentioned at the beginning. And these two, like as I said at the beginning, Pallas, uh, Saturn turned retrograde on Sunday night. So we're on the 12th. So that was the 10th, late on the 10th in, in Utah time, at least. And Pallas Athena turns retrograde on May the 17th. So these two will be very newly retrograde, pretty much at a standstill on as they aspect this new moon. And, and Pallas, Saturn is very much about... Um, well, Saturn puts the brakes on a little bit too, but Saturn can give real clarity. And in retrograde, Saturn is saying, rethink where we thought we were going. And Pallas Athena is saying, you know, we, we thought we had these plans and these answers and things. We're going to rethink those as well. There's a lot of turning direction here, rethinking everything, changing your perceptions, changing your views. Um, and Saturn and Pallas Athena are definitely helping that. And they're going to retrograde back into Capricorn and um, deal with how our institutions yet again. So we've got that coming up as well. So there's so much um, changing your mind, changing your views, um, and being open to changing those perceptions. You know, my favorite quote comes in again. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. That's all about changing your mind, changing, change your thoughts, change your life. That's another one. <laughs> they, they could all be relevant for this. Um, new, right. yeah. About changing your perspective. I think what's really interesting about uh, Saturn and um, Pallas Athena, that they're at zero and one degree, uh, this idea of being really focused on new beginnings mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Saturn is the structure maker, the one that's saying you've got to get disciplined, you've got to focus. This is a time to really get uh, do hard work, which is this idea of pushing through all these people that are pushing lies, etc. at us mm -hmm. and trying to cover up, uh, pushing through that and saying this is what I really want. Um, so helping us to get more focused on what uh, it means to uh, represent the people or what we're doing as a collective and how we're going to raise our voices and make an impact and change things. And then, of course, Pallas Athena, the strategist, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of changing our strategy. This is such an important time to rethink what you think life is about what yeah. is your purpose why are you here uh, i believe i'm exactly now at this time at the first time in my life i can say i know why i'm here this is what i'm here to do this is what i came here for mm. and uh, if i think about that then that changes everything like a lot of my limitations or restrictions are uh, those things don't matter like i even believe the point that while we may have been in fear and a lot of our fears have been about um, what's going to happen to me when I do dare to stand up for what I believe in mm -hmm. and changing the conversation because that doesn't even matter. It's yeah. immaterial what happens because as long as I am true to me and I'm in that neutral space of love and focus where I'm not trying to uh, agitate others, um, I believe that's probably our safest position, but to operate from a place of truth, not from a place of something's going to happen to me because we don't know. Right. So when we think something's going to happen to us, that brings us into 
a place of fear, a place of fear, uh, we are in the negative. And I just was reading something, I don't even remember what it was, where somebody was talking about, um, maybe it was on Facebook or something, somebody was talking about how um, so many people have been hooked into um, this idea, what is what is that thing that everyone, the secret, what's that all about? Um, oh, law of attraction. Law of, law, law of attraction. And she was saying, you know, through the law of attraction, here I am, um, I've done all these things and then I got ill and people said, you must have attracted that to you. And then I started trying not to attract it. And then I was like, okay, I keep thinking about it. And, you know, and then that would create, (laughs) you just get caught up into it. And she's like, you need to be focusing on what is true for you, not what you're trying to attract. And that I totally believe that because that's what I get in the records all the time. When we are who we are, things fall into place. So when we're trying to make something happen because people told us we're supposed to have that, uh, then we are trying to manipulate something that's going to manipulate us. Right. Yeah. And the law of attraction, you know, it's, 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 I believe it's one of the natural laws of the universe, but the secret had a lot to answer for. We have to change our mind, our perception of all of these things, I think as well, and get to know them at a deeper level. Because, uh, you know, you don't ask for ill health. You do not ask for that. But um, but through power of the mind, you can help yourself to kind of lift yourself out of it a little bit. But it's not easy. It has to come from so deep within inside, I think, the, power, the law of attraction. Um, you know, sorry, I, I mean, I agree with you completely, Jen. But, um, but I just think the law, of the, tra- law, the law of attraction has been so badly used in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do believe that the, the secret and all that, I've never actually watched the whole movie. I started not so long ago trying to watch it. And it's so old now that, you know, yeah. it just doesn't have that impact, but I just stopped watching it. But um, I think what's so beautiful about it and all these things that have come into our lives that we receive the information Maybe we didn't use it in the best way, but we did use it to whatever we needed to get us to this point. And now, as you say, we can go deeper. We can go, Mm -hmm. in order to activate the natural law of attraction, I need to be doing the things that are true to me as opposed to trying to fake it. Like I'm going to fake that I'm doing me, that I'm actually doing what other people say is me. Like I'm pretending that what's important to me is to have... Uh, items that represent wealth for yeah. instance right so if uh, if i think that having a nice house or because it's about me looking good in the world then and that's clearly where we're we're breaking away from that that's all bullshit like it doesn't even matter right like if you really want that then you're going to be who you are and, and that's going to fall into place and mm. that's going to activate the law of attraction as opposed to you thinking you need to you know turn the wheel like yeah. you know like we can trick the universe by saying a few words or doing something like it's going to be like oh okay the I don't universe is more smart, more smart than that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the universe knows we're not as smart as we think we are. So yeah. we've got to kind of lead us slowly uh, to the next place. And that's why Jen and I really both work with really, um, with really helping you. We hope to help you really tune into the energies of the universe, you know, because you, you, you don't just sit there and, and kind of just go, oh, I'll have 
million dollars, please. And yeah, it's way more complicated than that. Yeah. Well, I think also the, the bottom problem with the law of attraction or the way it's been taught is that you just sit there and you say, I want a million dollars. And then your mind goes, no, yeah. it's not true sitting in a poor place and you don't have it you're just going your mind the gemini thing goes no that's not true that's not and, then, and then so then the next thing is well the law of attraction bullshit doesn't work <laughs> right. because what you're attracting is the fear around it or yeah. the repetition of what you already have <laughs> yeah. anyway so, we're, we're kind of diver and and i think we should re get to the symbols soon because uh, i'm quite excited about them but is there anything we want else we want to say about yeah, I did want to mention the um, one thing, the 24, with the Vesta and uh, Pluto at the 24, that's mm. the other six. Yes, uh, and there. Mars is at a six as well, of course. So. Right, Mars and uh, uh, Eris at six. Yeah. So there's a lot of six energy which we mentioned. So really emphasizing the idea of taking care of yourself. Don't be a martyr to this idea. Really this retrograde period right now especially as the planets go into retrograde and we're really getting drawn into the idea of reflecting and rethinking such a good time to honor that within you what is what do i need so i can get to that place of feeling uh, more uh, true to myself more true to the service that i'm offering because this is about contributing in a way that lines up with what's true so Sometimes, and I know I've done that, I have Neptune in my seventh house, so I see people as, uh, you know, put them on pedestals. Oh, I have it at the top of my chart, so I've been going to do that. <laughs> and then I get it involved in their story and their lives and start to push towards what they want or what they want me to do. And I've had to learn the hard way. It's been a painful journey. I'm still learning that that does not serve me and it doesn't serve you know what i want to contribute to in, the world in british terms it's time to stop doffing your cap yeah right yes sir, yes sir it's time to know that you're just as good as anybody else Got <laughs> to question like what is in, from a place of that love from that place of breath you know breathe into who am i what do i really want what's going to kind of spend time in nature spend time with creativity or whatever you do when you reflect mm. to kind of think is this something I really want to get behind or is this something that doesn't have meaning to me? And there's no answer is wrong. Like you can go, no, actually I was doing this and I don't want to anymore. I'm, I'm moving out. And I have found that what's worked for me is to really ask tough questions. Mm. And I'm working with somebody. Now I have to get better at what does this look like for both of us? Are we in agreement? And then if I'm not getting the answers I need, I got to go back in. You got to give me these answers and whatever I have to come up so I can make decisions from a place of my own truth and start to feel more empowered. So I think this part of the chart is really pushing us to uh, do that, to take responsibility for um, the decisions we're making by asking tough questions. Yeah. And having, and I'll just mention, having Mars in uh, Pisces means that there's a shift in the way we, because Mars is about our libido, about our taking action. And now it's like Mars is like wading through this. Uh, Cosmic soup, I like to call it. Right. 
it's 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 very interesting because we can't act in the way we might have we can't take wading through water with mars in pisces it's like going oh this water you know how it slows you down it's also very tiring by the way mars in pisces so you might find yourself needing naps and um needing to go to bed a little bit earlier with mars in pisces Right. And, and the six the sixes are all about self-care we're in a nine universal month another number of self-care and taking naps and really rich self-care is so important that you're doing things you want to do that you love to do that you're inspired to do and not just doing it because you're going to get some reward <laughs> and mars moves into pisces in we're recording this on um tuesday afternoon and mars moves into pisces before midnight tonight our time so he's almost there so by the time you listen to this he's probably in pisces so you find yourself kind of suddenly feeling tired tonight it's it's mars in pisces so um let's do those symbols and then i've got to cook my dinner (laughs) you do yours first away from cooking dinner Unless you're like me and you live alone and you can have sandwiches and stuff, <laughs> whatever you want. Gemini, <laughs> <laughs> three. <laughs> the Garden of the Tuileries in Paris. The keynote is the formalization of collective ideals through the application of reason and order to newly discovered aspects of nature. So the gardens of the Tuileries and Versailles are typical representations of the classical spirit and its need for order and symmetry. The reign of the French king, Louis XIV, I think it's yeah, 14th, followed the Renaissance, which was filled with the excitement of new spirit of discovery and a period of internal troubles. Which actually came after a plague. Right. And many of these things are, you know, yeah. happening. <laughs> it's very interesting because everyone's thrown about. Yeah. A, reaction, <laughs> a reaction had to come to consolidate the gains made by the collective mind of the European woman. Such a consolidation usually leads to another extreme. That is the formalization and often the narrow intellectual crystallization of dualistic concepts. That's so fascinating because that's just what we've been talking about. Don't get too quickly uh, um, into an idea without exploring the bigger picture. Yeah. So the heavenly gift bearing Santa Claus has become the paternalistic autocrat, king by so-called divine right, the warm family circle celebrating the birth of the deliverer from wintry darkness is now the court of the king ruled by rigid rituals. There is clarity, but there is also ego centralization and the worship of formalism. So I kind of take that as a bit of a caution, like some of the Chandra symbols usually are more of a caution. Is beware of this dogma and formalism and thinking of things rigidly this way. Yeah. Right, which speaks to this idea of people bringing fear-based things or saying we've got to get back to work, 
jumping too quickly to resolve the problem instead of sitting with it. When we think about the word resolve or solution, coming up with a solution, waiting for the uh, medicine to melt and to become something else, right? Transmutation. So the Chandra symbol is so snow whitey. It's unbelievable. So it it harks me back to Eris and her apple. But a dense thicket of brambles surrounding a magic castle. Externals, obstacles, postponements absorb your mind. Forefront affairs fascinate and divert. Semblances entice. Yet the one who goes for all of this is one dimension of selfhood. Another dimension is waiting in a perfectly intact place of undiminished life force. A third dimension mediates between these two, keeps self and world guessing off balance, juggling, dissembling, playing, pretending, being so many things at once that it is impossible to think about. You are cast loose in a mythic landscape, wandering forever, yet always right there, doing just what needs to be done and disarming all expectations, including your own. Well, I just love that. You know, it's kind of this waking up to these other possibilities and integrating, you know, all this external and the internal and this... um, the mythic landscape and and bringing this third dimension of mediation in there, which is very Gemini. Um, So bringing in your rational mind, your left brain, your right brain, and bringing it all together, um, I think is what is saying here to cut through that dense thicket of brambles so that Snow White can awake. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I think what's so beautiful about it is this idea of, being pausing into the space um, and allowing your higher self, your higher energies to drop in. So you're coming, you're choosing a path that's going to take you to something amazing that you're involved in, as opposed to settling for something because somebody else is. And settling to that narrative, the external. Yeah, definitely. All righty. So I'm going to just wrap up with how you can find us. So I'm going to go first this time. I'm Louise Eddington again, louiseeddington.com. It's um, Cosmic Owl Astrology. It's my Instagram account, my Facebook page, my YouTube uh, channel. Um, Likes and follows on all of those would be really appreciated, particularly YouTube. I'm trying to really grow my YouTube channel. Um, My Venus class starts tomorrow. It's not too late to sign up if you're listening to this already. It starts on the 13th. Um, All classes are recorded, though. So if you missed the first class, you could catch up. So um, it's transformative, my Venus class. It's the third time I've run it. And um, I'm very excited about this one because (laughs) Venus stations retrograde opposing my sun. The middle star point where she meets the sun is on my moon. So, (laughs) So it's like... This is my retrograde. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so you can find me anyway by Googling my name. And there's my books as well. They're available for purchase at all good booksellers. <laughs> awesome. So I'm Jen Duchenne. Uh, you can find me at jenduchenne.com. That's J-E-N-D-U-C-H-E-N-E. 
Um, I also have a YouTube channel. I think if you go Gender Shen, you'll find it. I'm also looking for subscribers are great. I post weekly videos. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. I have a group we belong here. Um, and my cards are available if you're interested on my website. Uh, as well as the class that I'm teaching, the um, the Akashic Records. Yes, the Akashic Lab starts on, it's uh, online, so it's super easy. Uh, it is just a wonderful class. Learn how to read your own records. It's so super powerful, transformative, and helps you feel uh, truly safe in your body, connected to the divine. Um, so the information is on my uh, website, the page. If you're interested, we can always connect. I love talking to people, connecting. So even if you're just interested in having a reading, want to know about classes, mm -hmm. etc., you can reach out, we can chat, check in and see if that's something that you're interested in. And don't forget that we are, in fact, I'll probably do it first thing tomorrow morning, creating the Weirdly Magical Facebook page and Instagram account. So follow us on both of those for podcast information and for information from both Jen and I as well not just not just selling our classes but everything you know just weirdly magical stuff we're going to post on those pages it's time we did that after two years and look <laughs> and and look for on our next episode for um a special anniversary giveaway that we're going to offer so I think that's it everything yeah everything. yep Okay, so that's goodbye from Lou. Goodbye from Jen. <laughs>